This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 237. When I've met with someone and my impression was, wow, they seem to know it all. You know, clearly this person is the expert. I've gone out of my way in certain cases to pay even more than I originally budgeted for that particular project because I want someone I'm impressed with. And at least my impression is they really know their stuff. I can see why it would benefit me rather than spend all the time, you know, looking this stuff up. I should just pay Mm -hmm. them because they know they clearly know what they're doing. So memory skills, I feel are very important. If you really want to be that coach or entrepreneur that people perceive to be a cut above the rest. And I understand that I'm probably more picky given what I do, (laughs) you know, my particular area of expertise, but I think, you know, for your audience, it might give them a way as to how they can at least win more business by better demonstrating that they're more of an expert. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, star coaches, and welcome to the show. It is fabulous to have you here. I'm your host, Meg Rinchler, executive and mentor coach. And I got to tell you, I am having one of those weeks where it feels like the faster you run, the further behind you are. Have you ever had a week like that? And I just keep telling myself all those things that I work with students to understand in cognitive coaching. I help my clients understand that you know, our thoughts are basically made up and we just need to come up with a new paradigm, right? We need to put one foot in front of the other. I've got to create a little bit of clarity for myself and, and that it's rarely as bad as it seems like it is when you're in the middle of it, right? So I have a lot of great things happening. It's just a lot of demands happening all at once in launching my new product and creating some grades and meeting my clients' needs, you know, all those things that just sort of happen. It seems like when it rains, it pours. So it actually was nice for me to settle in and visit with all of you, pull together the show this week, and just spend a little time doing this piece that I just love in being with all of you on the Star Coach Show. And I have to say, I am delighted to bring this particular topic to you. I get requests to be on the show a lot. And I want to be sure that the guests that I bring on the show really bring value to the audience. So I have to tell you honestly, when I first got the uh, request for today's guest to come on the show, I thought, now, how does that really, how's it going to bring value to my audience? So I had a conversation with Chester, and I thought, this is going to bring so much value to the audience. My guest today is Chester Santos. Chester is one of the world's foremost experts on memory training, 
He's helped thousands of people around the world realize the benefits that we get when we have improved memory and a sharper mind. And when he and I were talking about having him on the show, it just made sense that there are so many things that we can do as business owners, as human beings, as people in companies, as leaders, community members. There are so many things that are valuable when we apply some of the concrete strategies that Chester is going to share with us today. He is a delightful speaker and truly makes this concept of training our mind to be better with memory so doable. Now, very honestly, between between us, you know, kind of don't tell anybody else this, but when Chester told me right before we started the interview, oh, by the way, I want to demo a memory strategy on you. I was a little anxious. I was a little nervous about having this done on the show and almost told him, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. But, you know, I thought, come on, Meg, go with the flow. It was so much fun. And I was absolutely amazed at the results. So just a little teaser that that's going to be in here for you, along with some, like I said, you know, this show is all about strategies, tools, and resources for you. And Chester brings each of those. Chester has been able to do things that he talks about in the interview, like naming 200 or more audience members after hearing their names only once. Chester has given memory improvement tips on CNN and PBS. He's trained employees and talked at universities. I mean, he's done a whole lot and he brings all of that to us today. So let's go to my interview with Chester Santos. Chester Santos, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I am delighted to have you here with us. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You are an award-winning man that has to tell us all about it. So what has made you the international man of memory? Share a little bit about your journey as we set the stage for people to understand the importance of memory skills and how they're going to serve us as business owners. Sure. So I won the United States National Memory Championship. And since winning that competition, I've helped people all over the world uh, in more than 30 different countries. At this point, I've given presentations. I help people to develop powerful memory skills and leverage those skills to become more successful in one's career, personal life. Also, if you happen to have any kids or grandkids in school, the types of things we talk about today will be useful there as well. So I realized that the skills that I was developing in, you know, to win this United States Memory Championship, they're really useful for just about anyone. Anyone can learn various techniques that will improve your memory. And, you know, memory is a fundamental part of learning. So when you improve your ability to remember things, it's going to have a positive impact on just so many different areas of your life. So important and certainly something as as a, a daughter of 
my dad had dementia and it, it was so hard to see him go through that. And then of course, you know, I'm always paranoid. Like anytime I can't remember something, oh my gosh, my dad had dementia. Maybe I will do. And the memory's just one of those things that is, it's a treasure. And, and I'm wondering how did you develop your memory? What are, are there overarching principles? Like what is it that you did to create the, the, the memory skills that you have? Yeah. So Really, I did. Uh, I wanted to do my best in this United States Memory Championship, which I was eventually able to win. I did a lot of research, read all of the books I could find, did a lot of online research, experimented with a lot of different techniques, found what seemed to be working best for me personally, stuck to training myself in that subset of techniques until I did win the US Memory Championship. And now I'm training other people around the world, you know, with. People that learn from me will have the benefit of all of the years of experience that I have in developing my memory skills. I teach people really just the core things that I think are going to help you out right away. So there are going to be three main principles that will always apply no matter what specific memory skill you end up uh, putting into practice. One is visuals. Turn whatever it is that you want to remember Mm -hmm. into something that you can picture pretty easily in your mind. And we're very good at remembering things that we see. An example that I like to give, let's say you go to a party, you're meeting a lot of new people at this party. Two weeks after it's over, you're talking with one of your friends that was there with you. Your friend describes someone to you from the party. Your friend says, hey, Meg, remember that attorney that we met a couple weeks ago? He's also a member of the golf club. As your friend is describing that person from the party, a lot of times you can picture who they're talking about. Right. Your friend can obviously picture also who they're <laughs> describing to you, but a lot of times neither one of you can manage to remember the person's name. And it's pretty frustrating, right? Right. This, this is a pretty common experience. And this makes sense when you think about it, that we tend to be much better at remembering people's faces and what they look like than their mm-hmm. names. It makes sense because when you interact with people in various ways, the face is always recorded into your visual memory. You see the face, but the name is something much more abstract to the brain. So one way actually to get better at remembering names is to turn them into powerful visuals. So if I meet someone named Mike, I might picture a microphone. If I meet someone, if I meet someone named Alice, I might picture a white rabbit because that reminds me of Alice in Wonderland. Sounds a little bit strange maybe, but that's how it connects more than one connection. Yeah. When you have the visual for the information, it's just easier to remember. So I will actually open presentations with naming hundreds of people and the audience, after hearing each name just one time, it's by putting into that, that into practice. There's a little bit more to it. I uh, bet there if is. You get, especially if you want to get really good at remembering names. So I can go into tips for names maybe towards the end if there's any time left over. But really what I wanted to do there is give an example that I think illustrates the power in coming up with visuals. You can picture the information in some way in your mind. It becomes easier to remember later. So that's Number one, principle number one. Very important. Okay. Principle number one, visuals. Yeah. Second thing to keep in mind, second principle is from there, you want to try to involve as many additional senses Mm. as you can. Um, The more and more senses you involve when trying to encode things into memory, the more of your brain is being activated and the more connections you're building in your mind to the information 
making it easier to retrieve it later. So I starred in an episode of PBS's Nova Science. If people ever want to check it out, the episode that I starred in was titled How Smart Can We Get? How so you'll find it like get. that. Okay. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's easier just to Google me, Chester Santos and PBS. You should be able to watch the episode for free on the PBS website. What they had me do was perform some crazy memory feats. And then they had me train David Pogue. People might also know him from the New York Times and CBS News. He's a correspondent for the technology industry. Mm. I trained him. He was then able to perform some pretty cool memory feats. Next on the show, they had some brain scientists, neuroscientists come on and explain for people watching at home on TV. Okay, how? Explain that to us. How how did Chester pull that off? How did David Pogue pull it off? Learn so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, with just a little bit of training from Chester. How is he now performing these memory feats? And the brain scientists confirmed that it's because with these memory techniques that I've mastered over the years and that we'll talk about during the interview a little bit today, what's happening is we're recruiting extra areas of the brain. So areas of the brain that most people never involve when trying to commit things to memory with these techniques, we're recruiting more of the brain to help us. And part of this is learning to use more senses. Excellent. So it's very important to involve as many senses as possible in order to really recruit more of your brain to help you out. So that was the second principle. Now, before you move beyond that, how might somebody recruit more of their senses in? Can you give an example of how you would bring more senses in? Yeah. So for instance, if you're trying to remember names better Mm -hmm. and you're keeping in mind principle number one, you're visualizing this white rabbit to remind you of the name Alice. Beyond that, you want to maybe smell the rabbits. Imagine that you're actually feeling the rabbit because as you do that, you'll be activating even more areas of your brain and even more solidly encoding the information into your memory. So it can be about the visual. It doesn't have to be that you're smelling the person that you're meeting or that you're, 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 that the touch has to do with that person. It could have to do with the visual. No. Yeah. So this is actually all happening in your mind. So scientists have actually done experiments where they will have someone touch something. They can see exactly what area of your brain lights up when you touch something they will then have the same person imagine, just merely imagine that they touch something and the same area of the brain lights up. The same goes for smell. You'll smell something, they can see what lights up. They'll have you imagine smelling something, same area of the brain lights up. So that's what I mean is activating more senses as you're experiencing things in your mind to aid you in your remembering. So cool, okay. Yeah. So that was the second principle. And the third and final principle to always keep in mind, no matter what information type, no matter what specific technique you end up trying to use, you want to remember that there is a psychological aspect to human memory. We tend to remember things that catch us by surprise that are extraordinary in some way. So mm. Meg, right now, if in the room that you're in, an elef- if an elephant suddenly crashed into the room at this moment and started to spray water all over you with its trunk, yes. if that actually happened right now, you would probably remember that for the rest of your life. I promise you I would remember that for the rest of my life. Yes. Yeah. I think even 30, 40 years from now, you might be at a a dinner somewhere saying, okay, I have a crazy story. You're never going to believe this. 30 plus years ago, I was interviewing this memory guy on my show. And as we were going through the, the interview, an elephant 
believe it or not, crashed into the room, started spraying water on me. So it could be stuck there forever without you even putting forth any effort right. to commit it to memory. So this is an aspect to memory that isn't fully understood as of today. No one really fully understands how is it that sometimes in one second, something will go straight into long-term memory, stay there forever. Whereas other times we might spend weeks, even months trying to get very important processes, procedures, foreign language, vocabulary, mm-hmm. and things that would be useful for us to know we can't get into long-term memory. Although it's not fully understood, we just need to realize there is that psychological aspect to human memory. We can then harness it and apply it to the things that would be very useful for us. So that was the third principle. Just try to make what you are seeing and experiencing in your minds weird, extraordinary in some way. I would think that that like when emotion is attached to things, they might be more memorable as well. I, I, I don't know that that's true, but I mean, if an elephant came in here, there would be all sorts of emotions going on with me that would also make it weird and memorable. So I, I have a hard time believing that something weird could happen to you that you don't attach some emotion to that. Yeah. So emotion is an aspect. I always first teach people to just make it weird, unusual <laughs> in some way, because that's going to make it more memorable. Now, you might automatically have some emotion attached with that, as you said, but I don't usually start out teaching people necessarily attaching emotion mm-hmm. in itself in that emotion is just very tricky when it comes right. to memory in that definitely strong, positive emotions, or maybe just like excitement as you describe there in a way can solidify memory. But then there's a certain line in that like strong negative emotions can Mm. in certain cases completely block out. Or traumatize. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely block out memory. So emotion can definitely help, but it's a little bit tricky in terms of its application to, to memory. I completely get that. And from being a psychotherapist for so many years, I I can absolutely affirm that. So those are our three principles, visuals, additional senses, and the psychological aspect. Make it weird. Okay, so those are some fundamental principles that are going to help each one of you. And I hope that your minds are already beginning to think, how can I apply some of this in creating that um, memory skill that's going to help me across life. So where do we want to go next, Chester? Well, now that we've covered those overarching principles, I'd like to go through, I'd like to use you as a guinea pig and go through an interactive exercise. I think it will just give people a better idea of how to put these things that we've talked about so far into use. It's just going to be with a random word list, but then after this, we can get into what are really the practical applications to coaches, entrepreneurs, how, how would they, you know, realistically use this in their career. But let's just try to have you commit quickly here the following random list of words. It's going to be monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, and dollar. Now, It's a pretty long list there. And when I recite that to live audiences, I can see people in the audience looking at me 
at this point, as if I'm a little bit crazy, they think you might've no noticed I was looking at you like you were crazy <laughs> as well. Yeah. yeah. People think there's no way they would be able to remember that. Not unless I give them a lot of time to do it. But in fact, you're going to have it down, uh, Megan, just about a few minutes. I'm sure that people that follow along uh, when they watch this or listen to this interview later are going to do very well in just a few minutes. Um, normally, if people try this, they would just write it out over and over again they would recite it to themselves over and over again or read it continuously, right? Until they feel that they've drilled it into their head. When you do things like that, you're not really making the most efficient use of the brain. Mm -hmm. um, so instead, what we're going to do is keep those principles in mind that we talked about. And I'm going to guide you through a little story. Just okay. do your best to visualize what I described to you. I want for you to picture a monkey because that was the first word yeah, I had what? given you. Yeah. Just see this monkey in your mind dancing around. It's making monkey noises, boop, 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 whatever a monkey would sound like. I'm working on the monkey impression, but the point here <laughs> is to really try and see and hear the monkey. Okay. 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 The monkey now picks up a gigantic iron. All right. Okay. Like you would iron your clothes with maybe. Right. So just see this. Monkey is dancing around somehow with a giant iron. This iron starts to fall, but a rope attaches itself to the iron. Maybe even feel the rope, really interact with it. Maybe it feels sort of rough, okay. all right? You're interacting uh -huh. with that rope. Mm -hmm. You look up the rope, you see the other end of the rope is attached to a kite. It's attached okay. to a kite. And maybe you reach up even and try and touch that kite. All right. Okay. The kite now crashes into the side of a house. Really see it in your mind. Smash into this house. The house you notice is completely covered in paper for some strange reason. Paper was the next word I had given you. So really try and visualize that paper all over the house. Okay. A shoe now appears out of nowhere. Out of thin air it appears. The shoe starts to walk all over the paper. Maybe it's messing it up as it's walking on it. This shoe, the shoe smells pretty badly. So you decide to investigate and see why. So you look inside of that shoe and you find a smelly worm crawling around. Really see that smelly worm. <laughs> the worm now jumps out of the shoe and into an envelope. Maybe it's going to mail itself or something. I don't know, but Envelope or envelope was next. Really see the worm go into that envelope. A pencil appears out of nowhere and it starts to write all over the envelope. Maybe it's addressing it, that pencil. The pencil now jumps into a river and there's a huge splash like you wouldn't expect to see when it hits the river. The river you notice is crashing up against a giant rock. Picture it crashing up against this giant rock. That rock flies out of the river and into a tree. Really see it smash into this tree. The tree is growing cheese. You probably haven't seen a tree like that before. This one is growing cheese. And out of the cheese now starts to shoot a giant dollar. A dollar comes out of the cheese. Last word was dollar. Really see that dollar coming out there. All right. Okay. So that was actually the entire list of words. Some people already would have it down and be able to rattle all of those off. Um, but I'm going to go through this again in about 30 seconds very quickly. And your job is to simply replay through the little story that we've created in your mind. So we start off with the monkey. What was the monkey dancing around with? It was an iron. iron. What then attached itself? A it was rope. a rope. The other end of the rope was attached to the a kite. kite. The kite crashed into the a house. house. 
what was the house covered in? It was covered in paper. paper. Something walked on it. What was it? A it was a shoe. shoe. What was crawling in that shoe? It was a, a worm. worm. The worm jumped out of the shoe and into an envelope. envelope. What wrote on the envelope? It was a pencil. pencil. The pencil then jumped into a river. The river was crashing up against the rock. rock. That flew into a tree, tree. which was growing, growing cheese. cheese. And what came out? It was a dollar. A dollar. So now it should be pretty easy to recall the entire random list of words by simply playing through the story in your mind. Each major object that you encounter is going to give you the next word. So Meg, if you would just try and attempt to recite those words and people that, you know, watch or listen to the interview later can follow along and see how well they do. Okay. So a monkey, iron, rope, kite, House paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, dollar. 100%. Perfect. Under pressure there, even you, you got 100%. Very well done. Um, it was a lovely story. The, that's the good news. The bad news is that you did so well there that I'd like you to attempt this now backwards. See if you can recite all of the words completely in, in reverse by simply going through the, the story backwards. backwards. Yeah. Okay. Dollar, cheese, tree, rock, river, pencil, envelope, worm, shoe, paper, house, kite, rope, iron, monkey. Perfect backwards as well. Wow. Very, that was really well done there. You know, it's not easy under the pressure. So you did really well. That technique there is called the story method. I'm sure that uh, people from your audience following along got 100% or probably close to it, if not perfect there. So the story I got to tell you, when powerful. you first told me that list, I was like, there's no way in God's green earth I'm going to be able to tell them that list. Most people have that reaction. And it's just a matter of not having developed memory skills, not knowing the right techniques to use, the right approach. But once you learn really just very powerful techniques, it's amazing what anyone can do in terms of their memory ability. So that technique called the story method is just one that memory champions like myself use to pull off what at first might seem like, you know, crazy, extraordinary feats of memory, but there's nothing different about my brain compared to everyone else's. I've just learned these types of techniques that are very powerful, effective. I've put in the training and practice. So they've had me on, you know, Science Channel, Discovery Channel, a bunch of different news shows, most recently BBC World News. But again, anybody is capable of doing this stuff. You just so, got to, to, to learn it. To learn it and a, practice it. Yeah, develop the skill. So good. So let's talk about, now that you've done that beautiful demonstration, let's talk about some practical applications to business. So one of the things that we talked about is that as a business owner, particularly coaches, are it's very interpersonal. We're going to be out there when we can again. We're going to be out there meeting people. And so you, you go to this event and you're introduced to all these people. And 
And then you immediately kind of forget the names of the people. So then you, you see them again as you're leaving and you're like, oh my gosh, I met that person and what's their name. And that could be really uncomfortable. So that's one practical, right? And you gave us some examples of ways to remember names, but I could see that that's a really important skill in the, in the work that you've been doing. What do you hear from people about the importance of, of, that that concept of remembering the people that you meet. Yeah, so there are so many, many applications for memory skills. Really, you're going to have such a huge advantage in today's business world when you work on your memory. You talked about one right now, so I'll go over names. And then after that, I can go over some other applications that might not that might not be, you know, readily apparent to people. Unless I pointed out, it's part of my job is to not right. only help people to develop the skills, but also make it clear as to how they can leverage those skills for personal and professional success. But let's get into names now. So I like to quote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People to this day. It's still one of the most popular business and personal success books ever written. It was written in the book that uh, the sweetest sound to a person in any language is the sound of their own name and also that everyone's favorite subject is themselves. So really, when you remember people's names and things about them, it helps you to develop better business, personal relationships, right? People like uh, to know that they are remembered. It, it makes them feel valued. Yes. It, you know, when you remember people's names, they suddenly, the feeling is that they're at least pretty important to you. And they suddenly become much more interested in getting to know you and what you're about better. So you aren't getting the maximum benefit from business networking. If you're attending a bunch of events and the next time you see someone that you had previously met, you have no idea what their name is or what they do for a living. Now, depending on what your particular field is it, and where you do business, I guess it could be that you run into clients. You know, I've talked to a lot of real estate associations, for instance, it might be that a realtor makes a bil- really big commission from a certain client, and then they run into them somewhere, you know, a grocery store, and they have they don't know their name or they call them by the wrong name. This is really bad, right? This yeah. can yeah. really sour business and personal relationships. Let me just get into the tips. I think I think people probably already pretty clear that this yeah. is going to be beneficial well, to better remember yeah. names. Pretty clear um, about the importance of it. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the tips here, I, I briefly talked about the visuals, but let me give you a four-step process to use in conjunction with those visuals. So step number one, from this day forward, whenever you're introduced to someone, make it a point to immediately repeat their name And usually I would say shake their hand, but maybe in today's world, give the elbow bump or something. But, you know, if you're meet, you meet someone named John, just nice to meet you, John, or pleased to meet you, John. It might seem totally obvious there, but when someone is introducing themselves to us, a lot of times our mind is all over the place. We're thinking about all sorts of other things. We don't pay any attention to the name. This first step forces you to pay attention for at least one second. That's the only way you could repeat the person's name back to them, right? So just try to start doing that today. Eventually, it's going to become a habit. You'll find you're automatically doing it. Step number two from this day forward, really just ask a question early on in the interaction using the name. So John, how do you know Chester? Or John, how long have you been involved with this organization? That's it. 
I want to clarify, I don't mean use the name over and over again in the conversation to where it might seem a little bit weird, but really just use the name once early on. It will prevent the name from just going in one ear and out the other ear. Step number three, take a few seconds or less to think of a connection between the name and literally anything at all that you already know. So John might make you think of John Lennon. It could be a famous person like that. It could be a character from a movie or TV show that you like. Uh, it could simply be that you have a friend or family member that has that name. I might think of my uncle John in the case of that particular name. That should take you a few seconds or less. And I think at that point, it gives an opportunity to maybe even come up with your visual. Okay. Mm -hmm. And step number four, whenever you leave the party, the meeting, conference, whatever type of function it might be, try to say goodbye to people actually using their name that extra step is going to go a long way toward helping you to remember those names in the long term. So those four steps, I really believe are easy for anyone to put into practice. And that will give you the time to come up with your visual as you're going through that four step process. Now, I said there was a little bit more to that visual process, and I'll explain it as best I can right now. And that is you want to also connect the visual to something unique about the person's look. So if you're meeting someone named Mike and you think he has cool or interesting hair, you might imagine the microphone getting tangled up in his hair. Why this is very important is because all you have to do when you're meeting someone is ask yourself, how do they look unique to you personally? have the image interact there. So when you see them at some point in the future, you just ask yourself, what is unique about their look? What you personally noticed about them before is very likely what you personally are going to notice about them again. And the image that you had there will immediately come back to you. So this gives you a, uh, I guess, a mental cue, some sort of visual based trigger Whereas normally the next time you see someone, you're just, you're lost, right? And you really don't have any place to start. But this visual-based technique is really going to help you out. It's very powerful, effective. It might seem perhaps a little on the weird or silly side, but with training and practice, you'll be amazed. I mean, that's how I name hundreds of people in an audience really after just hearing each name one time. Right. Besides, we want to make it weird, right? Chester, we want to make it weird. Good for you. Yeah. Excellent. What are some other ways that we can be benefited by a strong memory um, or memory skills as, as well as a human being? But let's make this as, as a business owner. Yeah, so definitely as a coach, entrepreneur, at some point, you're probably going to have to give some sort of presentation, whether it's pitching a potential client, or, you know, it's just during a regular client meeting, presentations are going to come into practice at some point. And if you can at least minimize the amount of notes that you're using, maintain eye contact with a person, you're going to be much more persuasive, much more effective. So I've given, again, presentations at conferences all over the world, sometimes with world famous professors, I was even a speaker at a conference the same event, there was a Nobel Prize winner there as one of the speakers. And the issue that comes in <laughs> into place, though, is that sometimes they don't get the, ne the necessarily the best reviews in on their presentations from the audience, because although they're a world class expert, their presentation consists of here's slide number one on my research with a bunch of 
charts, graphs, statistics. Here's slide number two on my research and people start to, you know, doze off and fall asleep. So they might not necessarily have the presentation skills. They're relying way too much on slides, notes. People will read things off of the slides. So I've found as an audience member that I'm not sure am I supposed to be reading what's on the slide or listening to the words coming out of their mouth at that moment. So it can be very distracting. How you can minimize notes with what you've already learned, something as simple as the story method, you're just going to use those images to build mental note cards or cue cards. Let's say I were going to give a talk about healthcare in the United States. It's always a hot topic for discussion over here in the US. My first image might simply be of a stethoscope that the doctor uses to check your heartbeat. That's just going to represent the broad topic of healthcare. First thing I want to cover in my presentation is the high cost of healthcare in the United States. Maybe shooting out of the stethoscope are a bunch of $100 bills. Next thing I want to touch on in my presentation is that under current healthcare programs, in order to get certain things covered, we need to find a way to navigate through or cut through a lot of red tape. So maybe wrapping itself around the $100 bills is all of this red tape. So you can see there how you can at least minimize the amount of notes you're using by building a story and having the images serve as mental note cards. Now, I gave the case of a presentation there, but this could also be applicable just for preparing when you're meeting with a potential client or with colleagues, or this could also be applied to preparing for a job interview. So you're able to say, hey, here are five, 10 key things that I learned about you and your company in my research. Here are five, 10 key things I learned about your competitors. Here are five ways as to how myself in particular and my services can benefit you. Again, when you're able to do this and just maintain eye contact with the person, demonstrate that you have that knowledge, you just know You're not buried in papers. You're not flipping through your papers, looking for the right statistics. You just know what you want to say. People are so impressed with you. You know, Mm -hmm. again, you're showing uh, you're better demonstrating your knowledge and your expertise. You're going to be perceived as more of an expert in your particular field. You're showing that you cared to do that background research, Mm -hmm. right? In in today's business world in which, let's be honest, the average person isn't working on their memory much. We're really outsourcing our memory and other mental functions to electronic devices. This provides an opportunity, a huge opportunity, I would say, to really set yourself apart, become more impressive, become more memorable in the business world. I should point out, I think for your audience, that I've been a one-man business now for over 13 years, and I've had to hire all sorts of different professionals, uh, hired people for various projects to help me out, you know, with social media, mm-hmm. PR, I've needed tech people, attorneys, you know, at various points. There's a lot to to tackle when you are Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. And when I'm thinking about hiring someone, I meet with them and they're looking through a bunch of notes and they're saying, you know, oh, I've done some work. Let me look through that. They say a few things "Ah," or, or even worse, let me get back to you on that. And, oh, okay, I'll get back to you on this. I'm just like, I don't know why I need, I really don't know why I need to hire this person because I can look up all this stuff myself. I can, Mm -hmm 
you know, research how to build a website or whatever it might be, you know, whatever the right. project is that I'm hiring someone for, there's no way I would pay someone, you know, 5,000 plus dollars to work on something if that's my the perception of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, my impression is they're clearly not an expert. They have some experience in this field, but they're not, definitely not the best. Whereas when I've met with someone and my impression was, wow, they seem to know it all. You know, clearly this person is the expert. I've gone out of my way in certain cases to pay even more than I originally budgeted for that particular project because I want someone I'm impressed with. And at least my impression is they really know their stuff. I can see why it would benefit me rather than spend all the time, you know, looking this stuff up. I should just pay them because they know they clearly know what they're doing. So memory skills, I feel are very important. If you really want to be that coach or entrepreneur that people perceive to be a cut above the rest. And I understand that I'm probably more picky given what I do, you know, my particular area of expertise, but I think, you know, for your audience, it might give them a way as to how they can at least win more business by better demonstrating that they're more of an expert. So good. We had also talked in our pre-interview about the amount of time that we can spend learning processes and procedures or relearning or relooking things up that we've already looked up 400 times. And so that's another, why don't we touch on that a little bit? If there's anything you want to add to that before we, we begin to, cause I can't believe how time has flown, but we're almost to the end of our time. So anything you want to add about kind of how memory or what we might do to remember some of those things that that seems like we're looking up and looking up again? Yeah. So, you know, if you look something up more than three times, if you found that you've looked something up three times or more already, I think that it's really going to save you a lot of time in the long term. You're going to be much more productive if you would just use these types of techniques and commit that to memory. So I've talked about this to software engineers over at Google. I did the talks at Google program because I know how they work and that I used to be a software engineer before going into this as, as my career. And we often will have a lot of reference books to look up commands that you're going to need while programming on the job. And, you know, if the top 10, 20, maybe up to 25 commands that you often use, if you would just commit those to memory one day, and it would, would be very quick and easy with the, with these types of techniques, man, you are going to save hours and hours and hours and be so much more productive in the long term because you don't need to stop what you're doing right. to reach and look through the, the reference book. And this applies, I know, to other careers, other fields where, you know, who sent me that email again? Right. Uh, who, who was the one that sent me the email that had the process, out, the new process outlined or the steps to operate the, the software? When did they send it? How can I find, you know, it's right. tough. Searching through emails, things, yeah. searching, yeah. People waste a lot of time. Now, mm-hmm. if you would just spend, you know, 10 minutes or let's, let's say, it even took you one hour to commit it to memory, although it's never going to take you that long with these types of techniques. 
it's going to benefit you in the long term to spend that hour because you know, you'll never have to look it up again. Those are some ways I think on the job, personal life. There's so many ways. I, I well, pre-pandemic, I used to travel a lot for my uh, career as an international speaker, and I would always laugh when uh, visiting another country. We have to fill out the landing cards. People would be shuffling through all of their baggage, trying to find their passport. But I just quickly, you know, write it all out from memory, checking into a hotel. People are looking for their confirmations. Uh, but yes. I just quickly rattle, rattle off the confirmation number because, of course, I have all of that memorized. It's just very useful and, and saves a lot of time. Once you develop these skills, it can be used not only towards professional development, but personal development. I know we're out of time, but there are a lot of ways, you know, learning foreign languages, which is mm -hmm. really good for, it's really the best way to build up cognitive reserve. If people want to look in, look this up in detail later, basically it's way, a way that they feel you might be able to be more resistant to Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. Although no doctor, no researcher can tell you how to just, you know, take this vitamin, do this and right, you'll, right. it will prevent you from getting Alzheimer's. Nobody knows how to prevent it but they think you might be able to be more resistant with a lot of brain exercise, building up this, what they call cognitive reserve in the research. Mm -hmm. One of the best ways to do it is learning foreign languages because you're really building a lot of connections in your minds, really getting in that brain exercise. And of course, learning languages is going to be so much easier if you will develop your memory skills. Oh, wow. So you have given us so much great information. I just wish we could talk and talk, but let's let's talk about how people can stay in touch with you and how they can learn more. Yeah, if people really want to develop their memory skills, they can go to memoryschool.net. I would visualize a giant maybe fishing net to remember that it's .net. So the URL is memoryschool.net. I've built an entire online school. You'll do sample presentations. I will simulate introducing you to people. You'll learn how to improve your memory in general, exam material, exam and training material. This is just some of the core training. Then there's advanced training. You'll learn how to memorize decks of playing cards. You'll learn all of the presidents of the United States, forwards, backwards. There's just a lot of cool and interesting, fun, interactive exercises. I upload new videos every month. Code STAR is for your audience. Um, okay. It will zero out the enrollment fee. I don't know how many people might be interested, but I set it to be valid for 50 uses. So as long as you're one of the first 50 to input that at the checkout screen, it should take the enrollment fee from 200 down to zero. So it's a really wow. good opportunity. Awesome. for. I think it's a great opportunity for people in your audience that might want to develop their memory skills. One of my favorite quotes, you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to eventually become great at something. So hopefully that code star at memoryschool.net will encourage people to at least get started and see what they can do in terms of memory. That's so generous. And I'm so grateful for you joining us today and bringing these really useful exercises forward. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So there you go. Did any of you play along with the memory story that he shared with me? And how did you do? I'd love to know. Shoot me a note at meg at a focus on results.com.
If you'd like to know more about Chester Santos, about his program, if you want to be one of the first 50 people to be able to access it for free, go to starcoachshow.com slash 237. We'll have all of the links to be able to connect with him. Next week, I am introducing you to Sarah Luce, who is a wonderful transformational coach, and she's going to talk about alignment. So good. Please come back for that. And if you're enjoying the show, have you thought about sharing it with other coaches that you know? Every coach that listens to the show is able to gain from the guests that we have. And I'm just so eager to have the world know about what they can do as coaches. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review wherever you listen and therefore more coaches will find us because the the visibility of the show goes up. I want to thank you for being a part of the community and hope that you are able to come back next week because we have a great show for you. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have an awesome one.